morning, dreamers. It's your favourite not coffee, not cycling, cycling and coffee podcast. Welcome to Auntie Coffee. I'm sorry. Was that your auntie? Was that your auntie? Was that your auntie? Anybody want coffee? I'm making coffee. Anybody want coffee? Was that your auntie? I'm making myself a cup of coffee. Anybody want? Joy for cycling fans globally. What an effort that was. I'm having a cup of coffee. I absolutely love that. Coffee drinker. I'm part of the club. I have a card. With me, Todd Whiteford. And me, Tony Lee. Go around in circles, Johnson. Well, where are we today, Tony? We are at Bella Houston uh, Velodrome. The outdoor velodrome. Also known as the Bellodrome. The Bellodrome. <laughs> and why are we here? Because we thought we wanted to get a little sneak peek of what it feels like to push it around an oval like our guest this week. Yeah, I tell you, my first mistake was that when we entered the, the oval, I thought we'd be going clockwise. So really, I failed at the first hurdle because, of course, you go anti-clockwise. I'm thankful. Makes no I'm thankful to me, but I'm thankful that we're the only ones here because that could have been a disaster. Huge faux pas. Oh, there's a there's a buggy here. Right, I'm going to absolutely rinse the buggy on the sprint. Here's the line. Yes, nailed it. Take that buggy. And actually, this is my first time on a velodrome, I think. Me too. Never ridden a track before. We're absolutely flying along. If you've never been to Bella Houston Velodrome before, it's outdoor, tarmac, a little bit slippy. It's a little bit damp today, isn't it? Yeah, we it. Our second lap was, of course, a sprint lap because we just couldn't hold back trying to get the Strava segment, which is 28 seconds around Something at the moment. Something mad like that, yeah. Which is about 55K an hour. Um, it's 400 meters. I think I was up about 45k and I think maybe you were a fair bit more than that, but... Not, not much, not much more. So we had cold legs and we went for a sprint, classic. Yeah. That'll be us on the North Coast 500, no doubt. If anything sums up anti-coffee, it's just that as a, as a training gambit. Like, first thing, straight into racing. <laughs> but yeah, so we thought we need to get an, an appreciation of what it's like to go round and round in circles at high speeds. Because this week's guest, is none other than Commonwealth gold medalist, former UCI number one world ranked cyclist of 2022. That is ahead of Julian Alaphilippe, Wout van Aert, MVP, all the big hitters. It was this guy who was sitting on top of the perch. Tour of New Zealand champion. Yeah, the New Zealand classic. Uh, I would say it was a, a resounding win, the perfect win. We can talk to We'll talk to him a bit about that and more. More importantly, he's won the hearts of a nation. He's charismatic. He's not bad looking. And he's got just about the best set of legs I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so, without further ado, we're 100 metres from the line. Let's have a bit of Mark Stewart. And here we go, Tony. Up, 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 up. First of all, congratulations. You've just got engaged to uh, you, uh, another professional athlete. Absolutely, yeah. 
Engage to Emma. Is it the greatest victory of your career? It's nice when someone says congratulations and it's not to do with a, a sport and achievement. It's actually a life achievement. It's almost like when you get introduced or someone's talking about you and it's not nothing to actually do with your personality. It's just like Mark Stewart, great cyclist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just everything's physical capability. So when someone congratulates you on like finding a life partner, I guess, it feels like a really nice victory. Yeah, something meaningful. I've done it. Love having <laughs> someone that's going to put up with me. I've made a love connection. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Well, that's what we, like, we're very much trying to, like, bring out the human fun side of the people that we interview. Yeah. So we, we want to learn more about your, your obviously, your cycling career, but also just the human side of what Mark makes me sure. Tick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the real stuff. Absolutely. Your, your caffeine, your caffeine consumption. You're loaded now. What's your <laughs> favourite kind of roll? Yeah. My favourite roll was definitely that bacon and egg roll I just had. I don't think I've ever had a bacon and egg roll on a brioche bun. I think oh, in Dundee, yeah. you'd get laughed yeah. out the room. You're in the south side you, of Glasgow they now. give you on a brioche bun. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you made the request. Yeah. yeah. Brio- it must be brioche. Do that on brioche. <laughs> yes. And can I have some crispy kale on the side? Because <laughs> you're from Dundee, Mac, but yeah. you're living in New Zealand at the moment. And this is your first time over since the pandemic, is it? Yeah, first time in Scotland since Christmas 2019. That's mad, a long time. Yeah, so I was living in Manchester since 2014, actually, back in the 2014. So I'd only venture up to Scotland probably a couple times a year. So yeah, it feels nice to be back, eh? I feel like every time you come back, well, the person I've, I've brought, like myself, it's a different person every time. And sometimes you don't notice it if it's, you know every two months but for this time it's two and a half years later you definitely i don't know you just stuff changes doesn't it yeah and i think mainly it's you that changes i think a lot of people who would have said who would have like waved goodbye to you in 2019 he's away to new zealand and like yeah you're you've come back a different man Mm. more worldly more mature achievements yeah open to a brioche bun now (laughs) yeah in fact demanding of a brioche bun Become um, accustomed to a certain cafe in New Zealand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Definitely a food snob. <laughs> really, has it become? I guess like spending that much time in New Zealand, like you learned, you've you gained a, an appreciation for the a yeah. finer level of hospitality. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a time and a place for these things, eh? Like as I'm sure most people would agree. Like I, big fan of, like we were saying earlier, nice scrambled egg or on a nice brioche bun, crispy bacon. But then sometimes as well. You just want like a Scottish morning roll with a slab of like cheap butter and tons of ketchup and a kind of undercooked bit of bacon. (laughs) It's a time and a place. Becoming less and less that actually. (laughs) Harder to get in New Zealand. I've seen a lot of uh, similarities in your attitude to food as our director sportif, Andrew Nelson, who we should probably mention is, uh, is your cousin. My, my big cousin. Um, yeah, so that's obviously something that runs in the family. The the idea that food is the yeah. food is just the or exercise is the vehicle to just eating nice food. I think absolutely. Yeah, that's how me and Andrew reconnected. I reckon eh? it was our love of food. He's a few years older than me, so his his taste is still a wee bit finer. <laughs> Wait till he gets you on the lobster and chardonnay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's he's writing our tra- training program for us, and it basically is just going to involve us going to like riding to nice restaurants, and then his menu recommendations. <laughs> we were going to start off with some cycling questions, but I feel like while you're at peak caffeine level, yeah, we should kick off the coffee questions first. First big question: What's your relationship with coffee? Big drinker, big abuser, or just sort of on the sly? So. 
today's two coffees are probably in the 10 coffees I've had in my life. So I didn't want to tell you this, guys, when you gave me an invite to the anti-coffee club. Although it does seem appropriate if I am anti-coffee. Mm. But I just never started drinking it. And then I thought, sweet, I'll just continue that. <laughs> but I'm slowly getting peer pressure as I'm getting older because it feels weird. When I was younger, I didn't care as much. So I'd happily go for a fizzy juice or a hot chocolate. But now I'm in, getting towards my late 20s. It feels <laughs> feels a bit weirder, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, instead of like asking for a Ribena at the cafe yeah. instead of a... But now it's more embarrassing to say the wrong coffee choice. Uh -huh. Like the lady this morning asked for a short black and that wasn't suffice, was it? I was a short long black or was it a long short black? I, I the think gig you, was up, she found me out. I, I think <laughs> she made it more difficult than it needed to be. Yeah. Because actually any professional worth their skin would just know what you giving an, uh, an order like that short black she should just know, like, okay, what does this guy actually want? Right, he wants a shot of espresso with a bit of hot water yeah. and not as much hot water as a long black. That's exactly right. what I wanted. She doesn't need to make that your problem. You could have just said, I've just come back from New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> Which baristas Do love. you know where I live? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but then the gig would also be up when she asked me a few questions about <laughs> coffee. And so stuff. is it, if you've only had 10 coffees in your life, maybe I've been there for, like, over a third of them? You're probably not wrong, eh? If you had one in the cartel in well, 2018. It, yeah, an account of the business you owned. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe did you have two there? What about Emma? Does Emma drink coffee? No. Yeah, not no, also, no. It's not like you even get pressure from her side. Absolutely not. Yeah, right. that's probably why it's <clears throat> lasted so long. Yeah. This non-coffee drinking habit. Yeah. But the, obviously the, the, the coffee culture in New Zealand is huge. Absolutely, yeah. So how, I mean, how have you managed to avoid it? We kind of avoid cafes. <laughs> like we, we, we genuinely don't have that much money. What's then your morning routine on a rest day? You and Emma. Yeah, we... Who's, who's cooking? It's normally What's me. What's on the menu? It's normally me, yeah. Emma's a, Emma's a good cook, don't get me wrong. It's Not just, as good as you. Well, I think she likes the process of me putting love and care into something for her. Whereas I feel like maybe it's a masculine thing that is just kind of wasted on me. <laughs> Not that fast. Whereas I think she quite likes me going, what do you want? I'll make this. And then, you know, presenting it to her, saying, listen, I made you a thing and it's all for you. And she really likes that. But it'd be, yeah, it'd be classic. But, uh, nice. I like a soft scramble. Emma's a poached girl. Right. Milk? Don't put milk in oh, the eggs. absolutely not, no. Just butter? Just a bit of butter. Yeah, well, it depends how strict I am with my diet. Some so. lovely New Zealand free-range eggs? Absolutely, yeah. Size large? Absolutely, yeah. Although everything there's free range, it's it's lovely. Yeah, they're all over that stuff. Everything yeah, seems to just be a, like slightly better quality, slightly more. It's beautiful, uh, considering of the whole impact on it's, the planet, rather than yeah. just. If, apart from their cheese, their cheese is shite. <laughs> Which you would be surprised at because they pride themselves on their dairy industry. Yeah, yeah loads yeah. of cows. Cheese is so bad. You oh, just can't yeah. get a good mature cheddar. Oh. Which obviously. In, in Britain that's just your go-to standard yeah yeah, yeah. but that's there yeah and then when you do find one it's extortionate mm. it's from like some you know boutique deli in town yeah. and you get a couple hundred grams and it's like <laughs> 15 quid and you're like oh well, Emma it's, it's going to be back to the Mark Stewart cafe for the next two weeks because uh, I've just spent 15 pound on cheese I've really made myself yeah. sound tight I always do this <laughs> <laughs> I swear I'm not I, I will if you can offer me a good brunch I will spend my money <laughs> yeah. I just don't like I don't like eating something and thinking I could have made better than this at home yeah I yeah, like yeah. spending my money for something that I can't make it's just yeah or if yeah like like those ones you could tell the chef had put a bit of love and attention into Oof. it there's a couple of small details in the roll that you're like that's nice yeah 
And that's what I was touching on earlier about no chains because there's no love and intention in there. Yeah. Yeah. So I will spend my money. <laughs> yeah. Just just so that everybody knows, if you see Mark Mark Stewart out and about, he'll yeah. buy you he'll buy you a drink. That's, yeah. what, that's what it is. <laughs> any any of our listeners, if you see him, he's just said yeah. To, to prove that he's not tight, he'll buy, he'll yeah. buy you a pint, no problem. Do you, are, are you a big drinker, like alcohol? Or are you not that arsed about that? No, I never really got into that as well. Yeah, I drank, I, well, funnily enough, yeah, we were chatting about it the other day with my brother. It was like your first experience of drinking. And mine was in Glasgow, actually, when I was like 16, on the straight vodka. And oh. I blacked out for like three hours and like chipped my tooth on a toilet bowl. And that's, I, don't, I know that because I woke up just at this toilet bowl with like my face just aching. And I woke up and I said, I'm never drinking again. And for five years, I never drank. That, like, I can see how that if that was your first experience of alcohol, that, you, that yeah. would be off-putting. My first experience of, of alcohol was in a pool hall in Perth, drinking uh, peach schnapps and lemonade. Lovely. So I was like, alcohol's great. <laughs> it tastes <laughs> like juice. <laughs> um, yeah, but, so straight vodka. But I think I got to 21 and I realised, because my dad's got quite a bad relationship with alcohol. And like like most things, your parents like impart on you. But I think from like sixteen to twenty one, I was so busy trying to make cycling work that I never had time to figure out my other values or what I stood for in life. And I think I got to twenty one, and I was like, I don't. I it's not even my reason why I don't drink alcohol. It's more my dad's reasons. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then so then I'm like, oh, I just don't care enough now. Like I've not actually got a strong enough reason for myself. Yeah. So I started drinking again. But again, I'll just drink on occasion. I'm not. That would be all the listeners being like. Mark Stewart doesn't drink, so I'm never going to drink. That's if the I want to be as good as him, that's the key to success. A hiatus from alcohol in your late teens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder it's if probably, he... it probably is, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> like but I think, to be fair, I, was, I wasn't a particularly good cyclist. So it wasn't like I could... Like, some k- kids are amazing and they can get away with it. Yeah. Like, I couldn't. I really needed to, you know, turn every stone. Is that the, word? Is that the phrase? Sure, yeah. I feel like I'm almost there, it. but I'm not <laughs> yeah. quite there with that phrase. I like it. Yeah. Go with it. Yeah. Turn, come turn, turn the stone. stone. Stones are hard to turn. They are hard so, to turn. Yeah. yeah. So when did you get good? I have to think about that. I think I had a few, I call them moments of brilliance. And you see some people have multiple moments of brilliance, that they're not moments of brilliance anymore. They just are brilliant. Whereas for me, like probably from 16, 17, I'd have one or two days a year where I was really good. Like we raced the Isle of Man youth tour when I was a second year 19 or second year junior in in Britain. And I came like second and it was probably one of my only good results for the year. But it was enough to keep me hanging on for like another year. And sometimes I think they're almost a, a curse because if you didn't have a moment of brilliance, you'd probably just sack it and, and just yeah, go yeah. get a job. <laughs> but because there's like these little things that keep you hanging on, you think, hang on a minute, there could be something here. <laughs> Imagine if I could do that 50 times in oh, a yeah. season. Imagine if I could find a formula. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so, and they, to, to be fair to me, that I was lucky that they started to become a bit more regular. But even at British Cycling, the first few years there, I think I was, yeah, I think I was just lucky I got given a few good opportunities. A few people kind of took a, took a punt on me, I think. Like Mark McKay and Alan Denman at Scottish Cycling, they were happy to take a risk on me and I did develop. It was maybe because, although I wasn't physically talented, I was... I had a hunger. I was really, I just loved it and I was really keen. And I think a few key key individuals seen that. So they were happy to kind of nurture it. And it was the same at British Cycling. Like Keith Lambert, who like a few people might know, but legend of the sport. Again, he was happy to kind of help nurture me. And Chris Newton was the same. 
so yeah so i think a lot of it was the people i had around me that mm. were happy to to kind of i wouldn't say give me a push because i never needed push. probably hold me back to be honest but yeah just a few things maybe like you know my diet wasn't the best when i was younger and just help refine me into a bit more of an athlete yeah what, it's been cool what sort of age does that happen then when you get picked up and start to get the proper coaching yeah when when's that is that like late teens yeah i think if you're so a lot of my peers at british cycling were on british cycling from 13 14 15 oh, right. so, young. so very young yeah and so they were too late for you then told him <laughs> still what's the oldest open. what's the oldest <laughs> person you've ever ridden with professionally the old like literally the oldest as an age or the oldest person that got on to british cycling yeah that the oldest yeah starting person yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> at what age did they develop yeah so nia evans to be fair was really she's got a really impressive story because she was a vet she didn't ride well she I, to be fair I, i'm going to do a terrible job of telling nia's story so she is listening i apologize <laughs> but anyway nia was a vet was i think living a good life being a vet and you know i assume she was a sporty girl and got into cycling figured out bloody hell i'm actually quite good at this I think she started off being a sprinter, Scottish cycling helped develop her, and then realised, actually, like maybe my capabilities are more endurance. And to be fair, took her to the Tokyo Olympics. But yeah, she would have been mid-twenties by the time she got in oh, GB. I thought you were going to say, like, and she was 42. <laughs> so uh, you've still got a few years to... <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Robin okay. Robin Stewart, my yeah. sister-in-law, she had represented Northern Ireland at Commonwealth Games. Robin got into it mid-twenties again yeah. and progressed really rapidly. I felt for Robin because... I think she was in her circle that, or in her bubble that she couldn't take a step back while she was doing it and realise just how amazing her story was. Yeah. Like, hadn't ridden the bike. She was, she just played hockey and, like, loved playing hockey. Got to mid-twenties, started riding a bike and within three or four years was at the Commonwealth Games as a competitive athlete. She, like, really raced really well. But That's because insane. her husband was the kind of head GB sprint coach and I happened to win those Commonwealth Games and her peers were Olympic medalists. Like through comparison, maybe her achievements weren't as amazing. But to be honest, they're actually probably more impressive. She's I remember um doing a little uh, village sign sprint with your cousin <laughs> and uh, we were comment commentating and his uh, the persona that he adopted was Robin Stewart. Was it? And here comes Robin Stewart as he went past you. That's like he told me to bring up choice. one of the village sign sprints. Actually, Andrew, this is a great segue into what we basically why we've got you here is that um, we need advice on how to compete for village sign sprints, when to compete, should we even be competing, given that we're trying to ride like two hundred fifty kilometers three days in a row um, and an insane amount of climbing. Um, but yeah, every time we go for a group ride, we absolutely love a village sign. Yes, our DS has won two iconic. And in, in the last like tour we did as a group, he was like you on a good day. On a good day. And uh, he won the, the iconic sprint into Benderloch. And I'm glad that's like me on a good day. Is that yeah. just what you think of me? Mark Stewart, always on a good day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, I, that's what I said to him after. I was like, you know what? You're like your your cousin on a good day. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's so told you the formula. It was difficult to get close to him actually once he's gone, and now he's got a new bike. So um, he was happy about that. He's, he's a, flying, a wee bit of a danger yeah. now. Yeah. But yeah, do you if you go out on a bunch ride, say you're out for a, a coffee ride? Yeah. Is it a village signs competition? Yeah, absolutely. Are you is. taking pot shots at each yeah, other? Yeah. I yeah. From so I can only comment on my experiences. 
But I think when we were at GB, the, as we progressed through the ranks, so the closer you get to, say, the Olympics, the less you actually race. So through your younger years, like, it's all about racing. So you stop probably racing for village line sprints because you're racing every weekend. But, you know, a year out from the Olympics, we were racing once every two or three months, which, which I personally don't think it was that good. And so what started to happen was we'd go on camps and we'd just start racing on our training because I think it was just an outlet for us. You, you have... You, you're a bike racer and that's why you got into it. So we'd just start racing all the time and we'd just start going full gas. And it was like, I look back at those like camps. We went to Portugal like for 10 days every month and it was the same guys. It was like Egg Clancy, Ethan Hater, Matt Walls, Charlie Tamfield, Hollywood, Keena Maddy. I feel sorry if I've missed any of the boys out there. Stephen Burke, he loved it. And yeah, we'd just start racing all the time. So And, it, and that was probably some of the most fun you could have. Because you're resorting back to your youth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then flip it to the other side of the world, the Kiwis are the exact same. Those guys, Aaron Gate, Corbin Strong, Campbell Stewart, Regan Goff, love it. They yeah. absolutely love just racing their bikes. Being on the track mm. where you were like probably pure power to now you're obviously more built for GC, those aspirations. Like, so. how's, How have things changed when it comes to those little fun sprints? Well, I think there's a... I'm not sure if you guys do. I'll have to come out here to see but there's an element of like play involved in these things. So you're not going full gas because you're not fussed about winning. It's just the play that's fun about it. So even when you get, so say if you <laughs> attack, about winning. <laughs> if you attack five kilometers from the village town sign and everyone sits up and gives you a gap, it's not much fun then anymore because now you're just doing a 5k time trial. <laughs> yeah. So then you might set up so that the gap shortens a bit and then there's, then that's the fun bit. The fun bit is the racing. Yeah. So I think, and it was even the case for us, it would not often be that we'd all finish it absolutely cooked and flat out. It's it's the kind of almost manipulated tactics that are quite fun about yeah. it. Yeah. We've got we've got a rule in the Crockmas years now where you have to be able to see the person celebrating. Yes. If they've got too Beautiful. much of a gap, then it Who doesn't cares? count. No one cares. Yeah, exactly. The yeah. celebration has to be yeah. all eyes. Yeah, we, we learned that from the first one we did where, yeah, it was probably me a little bit just trying to attack from way out. Yeah. Because I don't think, I think there's at least half of the bunch who can out sprint me. Yeah. So I think my best hope is like, yeah. Yeah, you have time, to time trial it in from three k's out. Um, but yeah, then then it is. You, once you lose sight of them, you're like, oh, just in the drops, just hurting. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but I'd counsel anyone to 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 ride with. I'm trying to say this in a nice way, not to offend yourselves, gents, but to ride. So if you're a professional athlete and you've lost the love for it or it's getting a bit tedious, hop on a group ride again and ride with some amateur guys that I imagine the only reason you two gents are out on the road is because you love it. We love it. Like you're not trying to go world tour. You're not trying to win the Olympics. You're getting kitted up and you're hopping out on your bike because you just froth it. You love riding your bike. You love being with your mates. And that's something that, for me, definitely got lost at British Cycling. And it, it inevitably will do because the, the goalposts change. You're now trying to meet targets. You're being judged all the time. And that's not a bad thing. Everyone always associates judgment to a bad thing. But if you made a good judgment of someone, you'd be happy to be judged. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just it's just a necessary evil as far as being a professional athlete's concerned. Yeah, but I guess like when the, when the pressure ratchets up one notch... The fun also ratchets down one notch. It's absolutely, yeah. and I guess like, yeah, it's an interesting point. Like, it does also make a long group ride 
going really quick. Amazing. If you're getting through, especially riding in Scotland, probably the same in New Zealand, mm. like you're hitting wee village after wee village, you feel the tension build, <laughs> you sprint for the village sign, and then you've got a little rest. And then you probably think in the next 5K, what am I going to do this time? Yeah. So it, again, it's like finding the fun, the joy of like, why did, why did you get on a bike when you were five years old? It's because it looked like fun. Yeah. It's 100% the case. That's yeah. what reignited my fire when I was in New Zealand. Because I think for the first year when I was in New Zealand, I was only supposed to go for a month. And then it ended up being a year. Because I thought, okay, I'll give it a few more months and then I'll come back to the European race. And I'll give it a few more months and then I'll come back to the European race. I'm like, oh no, COVID's cancelled more events. And then before I knew it, a year had gone by. And then after a year, I made the decision to go, okay, well, I've actually got no money now. So even if I am to go home, I might do one or two races and then I'm stuck in Britain you know, it's probably going to be cold. I probably need to get a job. So I thought, okay, well, what I'll do is I'll stay in New Zealand for 12 months and I'll get a job. I'll work for six and then I'll spend the next six months riding full time. So, so I knew I was settled. I knew I was staying for a year, which changed my motivations a bit because then it's like, okay, well, the next race isn't three months away. It's, it's a year away. So, and then, I, and then I'm working full time. So now I'm tired. You're working 50 hours a week. So I started riding with a few of the local guys that all work so there's a bike shop where i was from called spoken and they would meet at 5 6 a.m twice a week tuesday and thursday morning and they would go out so like and they got like 10 guys at six in the morning all with lights on middle of new zealand winter like some of the mornings were minus five yeah yeah horrible and i remember going out on the first one and we'd go up this hill and these guys would smash it and i remember thinking because i was obviously like six six years of british cycling and i was the, the professional athlete and I'm thinking, well, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm above this. You know, look at these guys smashing it. I'll stay in my zone, you know, zone one, two, right? <laughs> and then, and like, you know, you're almost, you're not looking down on them, but you just, I think more you think you're above it. And then I think after a week, I was like, oh, I'll stay with them, I'll get involved. And then, you know, a couple of weeks gone by and I'm racing with them <laughs> and I'm absolutely loving it because it dawned on me, like I was saying to you guys earlier, they just love it. They just love riding their bikes. And I, and that was me for six months. Like, it was almost the most fun you could have on a bike. And they'd finish every ride. It'd be like a 40k loop. And they'd smash it down this road and do a big sprint at the end. And it was a chop off and everyone had to pull a turn. <laughs> but it was just so much fun. That's and it reignited my fire. Yeah. So, like, yeah, you guys might look at pros or and you get jealous. But I think you guys are having the most fun. And yes, it is the village like town that. sprints that's doing it. Yeah, yeah. So and that don't, wasn't so definitely, really... to answer your question, do not sacrifice the village town sprints. Nice. Right. <laughs> if anything, you should be adding more. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, so how, then, yeah, that's changed my training plan already, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> how, do I, how do I get... Tony's, Tony can out-sprint me most of the time. Which is funny, because looking at you both now, Tony is... There's not a visual on this, so the viewers are listening, but Tony is quite a slender chap. And Todd, you yourself I'm, are a wee bit bulkier. I'm, I'm a big old boy. <laughs> so it's obviously not in the quads, your weight. No, it's mostly around the sort of gut area. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's actually all in my arse. Um, Is it? Yeah, historically just had a big arse, but it's not very, it's not a very powerful arse. It's not a fast twitch arse. It's, it's not a slow twitch fibre. Yeah, it's, it's just a slow, slow arse. Squats. Yeah. Um, so in preparation for you coming, Mark, we went to Bella Houston Velodrome yesterday and did nice. a couple of laps there. And... Like speaking of sprinting and having fun, I think second lap, Todd was like, I'm going for it. I'm going for my all out one lap fastest sprint. <laughs> and like the the rational part of my head was being like, oh, Todd, you should now warm up properly. Yep, like, let's have yeah. like 10, 15 laps before yeah. we start kicking it. 
But then as soon as he went, I was like, I'm going. <laughs> we, we both just went full gas. There's something we? beautiful about that, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. It is a little bit like dogs chasing a rabbit. Mm. I find that it's very, very difficult to, especially on a group ride, very difficult to let one guy go and not just be like, <laughs> I, I can't control it. Yeah, and nor so, should you. Yeah, yeah you don't think feel, so. Guilty, your advice would be, you don't need to control your competitive edge. You need to unleash your yes. competitive edge. Let your competitive edge control you. Ah, <laughs> yeah. As long as that we're getting into it. Com- competitiveness is still fun though right because i guess yeah. as soon as that competitiveness is like i've lost 10 sprints in a row <laughs> this sucks <laughs> like it's just everyone is just has to still have that overriding yeah. factor of every fun. time we go past a, a sign tony's like well that's uh, me on 25 points you on zero <laughs> but they did, a, they did a, the next one they did a study on mice because mice play fight i believe and they did a study on mice and the larger mice, I'm going to butcher this, but basically it goes that the larger mice let the smaller mice win approximately 30% of the time. Because obviously the larger mice could win 100% of the time, but if they do that, the smaller mice then won't play. So the larger mouse's desire to play outweighs their desire to win. So they deliberately let the smaller mice win so that they can play, which is mental, eh? Yeah, that is crazy. Thanks, which, for, that, thanks for letting me win, Todd. Well, I was, I was going to say, in, in, this, uh, in this scenario, you're definitely the big mouse and well, I'm the wee mouse. It sounds like Todd's the stupid mouse. Like, <laughs> yeah. You just need to stop playing, Todd, and then he'll let you win. My, um, my big question on that is how they get the mice to fight in the first place. No, this is why I was worried about bringing this up. They just wind them up. They just say, Methodology. see what he said? See what that wee mouse said about you? Right? <laughs> But yeah, I think it says you, he says you don't you like you the cheese you like is rubbish. It's says, from New Zealand. Says, you're eating that New Zealand cheese. Like one of their cheeses, they just called tasty. There's no class. There's no class to their cheese. Is it um, also it's uh, misleading marketing? It's not that tasty. <laughs> well, that's when you know something's up. <laughs> They're not leading you to come to that conclusion on your own. Yeah. They're chucking it down your throat. <laughs> no, it's tasty. It is, honestly. honestly, it's tasty. Before you try riding your bike, put on a helmet in case you fall. Keep your eyes forward and look toward where you want to go. See how long you can glide on your bike without pedaling. Do the same thing again, but this time start pedaling with your feet. Continue pedaling and steering in the direction you want to go. Well, yeah. Um, the vlog series. Mm. Well, obviously, we've been watching it with anticipation. You did a 30-second a teaser, and then the, the first episode came out last week. Not to say that we're running in extreme competition with each other, yeah. but are you dropping an episode every week of the vlog as well? I hope so, yeah. I feel bad when you say you, because I, I really shouldn't take the credit, because it's a good friend of mine, Carl Drury. So he's a videographer. And he's basically doing all the editing. So it's, it's you know, we're working as a team. So obviously I'll do the videos and I'll shoot the content. But Carl will make the videos. But so, you are the content. Well, I'm trying not to be. Yeah, I struggle <laughs> to hold the camera to myself. I'm with trying all, to do it more interview style. With all due respect to Carl, love you, Carl. But <laughs> we want to see Mark Stewart doing yeah. stuff with bikes. Well, that's the first time I've heard that. So that's better. <laughs> and maybe we want to see you could do a vlog of Carl in the editing suite. 
I tried to. He was quite shy on the camera. Ah, so, yeah, Dear which is always the case, isn't it? Good yeah. behind the camera, not so great in front yeah, of the camera. Yeah. Do you, but you seem to be really at ease. Like again, podcasting. I've heard you on other podcasts. None quite as good as this podcast, but I have heard you. And yeah, your other content. You seem really at ease with mm. being in front of people, talking to people. Media trained twice. So have you been oh, media trained? Yeah. Which British cycling? Is it? Oh. Well, the first time actually was with the. It was before the Glasgow Commonwealth Games because it was when the independence referendum was happening like the week after it. And they were really worried that one of us would stick our foot in it. So they were like, they made a real effort to media train us. And it was really fun. So we sat in uh, like a boardroom and uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he worked for the BBC and he wrote this book about it, which was really cool. Really interesting fella. And, you know, we did the one hour seminar and he told us the do's and the don'ts and... It was really good. And then what he did was he interviewed us and videoed one by one. So one by one, he'd ask us three or four questions and then we'd play it back and he'd just rip into everyone. (laughs) And one of the things he said was like, if you don't want to answer a question on the referendum, you can just say, that's between me and the ballot box. So so when he asked, so when he did my interview, because I was 18, I wasn't particularly as uh, efficient at interviews as I am now. He asked me and I just paused almost every question went that's between me and the art box (laughs) (laughs) and we watched it back and i just got ripped into from everyone i was terrible so i was forced into hopefully being good at this now okay right so can we if we throw three difficult questions at you will you be able to use your media training to like bat them and deflect them and get to a point where yeah Okay, right. I'll manipulate the situation (laughs) to get my desired outcome. Let let me adopt a a persona. Mark, congratulations on a great time trial today. I was just wondering, who is your least favourite pro cyclist? The one you hate the most? Uh, Well, Todd, that's between me and the ballot box. (laughs) (laughs) Was what I would have said in my younger days. Now I would probably give an honest answer and say... I'm trying, to, I'm, trying, <laughs> I'm trying to think of my least favourite cyclist. I make a good job of trying to be friends with everybody. So there actually is no one I dislike. I was actually listening to you. That sounds like media training. No, that's, that's, that's listening to your guys' podcast with, ah. you know, Andrew Nelson when he was talking about having a bit of empathy for people and understanding their situation. Yeah. Which does help you dislike people less and less. Yeah. Definitely. It, it does actually. And I think um, active empathy. So like realizing I'm going to be empathic right now in this moment is really helpful. And I've never, never really thought about that before. Mm. Um, but yeah, in doing this, like we've, I think every, again, every episode we've come back to like empathy, cycling in, in an empathic way. Yeah. Like yesterday we were going around the velodrome and uh, there was a guy who like jumped on, we'd done maybe like 15 laps and he jumped on and uh, we finished our record and Tony rode up next to him and was like, oh, how you doing, mate? Um, yeah. We're doing a cycling podcast. Do you want to be on it? And he just went, nah, I'm all right. <laughs> and That's I, the last thing he wanted to make. He's going yeah. through some personal issues. My, <laughs> my empathy went straight out the window for, a, for about 10 minutes. And then, yeah, so we were, we were kind of riding easy. And I was like, oh, I just want to like, he was halfway around. I was like, let's just catch him. I just want to catch him and go buy him like really fast. <laughs> Show so him who's boss then, he'll yeah. know. So, so we did that. And then almost as soon as I did that, I was like, he might actually just be having a bad day and he just wanted to come and do his like 50 laps. And then That was his safe space. Boost. Yeah. It's and a he's, safe space. Yeah. He's my safe space. Humiliated by a big mouse and a wee mouse <laughs> <laughs> coming past him. But he was great though, wasn't he? He was one of those examples. He had flat pedals 
older guy yeah. like he was cruising a carbon focus bike okay but just like a nice mixture of like he had, yeah i think he had like trousers on yeah ca- like cargo trousers on but a carbon bike do you want to go fast bike? or not yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah contradiction like, of a man yeah. it's almost like he was so determined to wear to have flat pedals and cargo pants that he was like well i have to get a carbon bike oh, yeah it's where his games are. <laughs> <laughs> but he was obviously just loving it. And yeah. Yeah, fair enough to it. There's him. something refreshing about that, isn't it? Someone yeah. owning who they are or what they're doing. Definitely. I'm a big fan of that. And I guess as well, like, see from your vlog series, it will give people an insight into what it's like to actually be a professional cyclist behind the scene and, like, the humanize them and actually yes. make you, like, make people see what it's like to have a day-to-day life as a cyclist and not just this little yeah. brief glimpse of racing where it's high performance, high octane. Yeah. And like it's actually can be a little bit, not saying your vlog series is boring, but life can be a little <laughs> bit boring. <laughs> and yeah. And like just the normal day to day stuff, like you went to get a sandwich in one episode. Like people like to see that, that you know, do you know what? That's the exact thing. Cause I thought, cause I, I like watching vlogs and I enjoy them. And that's the thing that I like to see is yeah. I'm not a big fan of the 10 minute monologues or lectures. Cause I think I'll just listen to a podcast if I'm, if I'm in a mood to learn. What I like seeing is I like seeing what people have for breakfast yeah. and lunch. I like I really like the mundane day stuff. So yeah. that's stuff I'm trying to capture. Yeah. But like, when you're videoing it, it feels really weird because you're yeah. like, no one's gonna want to see this omelette, but I'll video but it anyway. They do. <laughs> <laughs> because that that has there's only so many like slow motion shots you can mm. have of a shiny bike. Yeah. Or you know, like the team's bikes. And it's it's always so nice to see like, wow, look at the team bikes. Of course. Yeah. Like, I'm looking at your Pinarello there and I just think nice piece. <laughs> Yeah. But that was also, a good sound effect. Just to let everyone know that wasn't a computer generated sound effect. That was that just thought. came straight out of my yeah. out of my lungs. But it is also nice to see you, yeah, like driving around with Emma in traffic and yeah, yeah having a little bit of banter about like oh, why are you getting such a boring salad <laughs> yeah. bowl and like again all these things that, that make it accessible yes, to the masses. Of course. Yeah, and it comes back to f- having fun riding bikes yeah. and and having it as an open space. That's like yeah, like the best thing is just like getting on two wheels and just yeah. riding. And I think that was because it because it took me a bit to come around to the idea of of doing the content, doing the vlogging. Even saying vlogging sounds strange because it's mm-hmm. kind of synonymous with something embarrassing or ripping into someone. Like all right, yeah. mate, you vlogging? <laughs> you? Yeah. I was just waiting for you to be like, oh, smash that subscribe button. I, know. <laughs> I did one, and Carl said, listen, you're gonna have to do a little piece on like and subscribe and i thought it was quite funny but he didn't put it in the first video which is frustrating because now it's going to seem silly because i said carl wants me to do this so here we go i said i'm gonna have to ask you to like and subscribe but i said but if there was a case to ask for subscribers it'd be when you have zero which i do now (laughs) but he didn't put it in the first video so now (laughs) he puts it in people are gonna be like well you don't have zero subscribers yeah he's a a liar (laughs) i know i was like there's people with millions asking for more (laughs) Because they see, like, in mountain biking, for example. So I watch a lot of mountain bike yeah. vlogs. So Jack Moyer, mm. like a big Australian guy, like world enduro champion last year. And then, like, Bernard Kerr. I'm just going to nod and agree. <laughs> Brendan Fekler. All these guys have just yeah. started building up this YouTube, especially over lockdown. They mm. just rocketed for them to the point where I think racing has become the, the lesser of the two activities that they actually do. Yes. And we haven't seen that in road cycling yet, this idea that, someone can transition from being a pro racer to a pro vlogger. Yes. It's and like, interesting, eh? Are we going to see that, do you reckon? Yeah, I think you'd be crazy to think it, it doesn't have an influence. Like, I know, like, obviously, if you took a few examples from Britain, Francis Cade and Lawrence Carpenter and Cameron Jeffers. Like, I know when Cameron came to Ribble, it was my understanding that he brought Speedplay and Wahoo along, or at least he brought the contacts along, you yeah. know? 
So it's you'd be crazy to think this isn't starting to have an impact on teams, on professionals, because that's what the sponsors want. Not fussed about the only reason they're fussed about a race win is because they get the coverage from it. But if you can do that without winning races, then that's pretty cool. The issue that I have is I'm not fussed about the coverage. I want to win races. Yeah. <laughs> so that so my why for the vlogs and what's going to get me to get the the you know the GoPro out of my pocket and embarrass myself is what's yeah what's motivating me is I want to bring people on the journey. So there's a lot of people in New Zealand that I've connected with over the last two years that have like I was saying the guys that I ride with on a Thursday morning that have actually reignited my fire. Yeah. Like I want to bring these guys along because they've had such an impact on getting me to where I am that now I've been given an opportunity where I can I can share that with them. And I know that it'll really interest them. So right now, what's motivating me isn't trying to hit a certain number of subscribers or trying to get sponsorship. What's motivating me is if the people back home like it and if my mum and dad watch it and they like it or if like the girl that I was ripping into was Claudia, her parents that I connected with, they watch it and they like it. That's yeah. For me, that's the exciting thing that's motivating me. And that's why I'm happy to get these like funny little interactions. And if other people like it, great. But like that's... That's the cool bit for me about it is you don't have to be isolated on this journey of being, say, like a professional athlete. Is There's lots of people that have helped you along the way. Yeah. So, yeah, to bring them along and to try and, and even if I can include them in the vlog, then that's even better. That's amazing. So what's um, when's the next episode? So Carl's working on the next one at the minute. So I've actually given him enough content for three episodes. Okay. Great. So I did an episode on this local club racing in New Zealand. It's, um, I shouldn't divulge too much into it because you should watch the vlog to learn about it. <laughs> yeah. where, where is, is it. How do we find it? We just go YouTube, Mark Stewart vlog. Yeah, you'd have to, if you said Mark Stewart cycling, you get specific because I'm not the number one Mark Stewart on YouTube. If you type Mark Stewart into YouTube, you'll get a Jamaican pastor that's doing some ah. prophecies. Oh, really? Which is a great watch. You know, I'm not going <laughs> to take away from him. Jump it on and be like, this, yeah. this is a really weird vlog. There's, there's, <laughs> uh, there's room for a collaboration there, surely. <laughs> <laughs> so so my goal at the minute is it's not a set number of subscribers it's just overtaking the other mark stewart <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like don't have a ceiling on your goal like yeah. like overtake mark it's a process it's a process yeah. driven goal and and i love the idea that this uh, jamaican pastor has no idea <laughs> that another mark stewart is coming He's for his uh, for his audience oh don't worry he'll know <laughs> he'll know give it time oh it's so good um so here are you ready for your second awkward question Yes. Uh, Mark, uh, thanks for joining us today. And uh, I was just wondering, um, of all the team, of all the Black Spoke uh, team members that you have, who is your very favourite best friend on the team? Uh, that would have to be Regan Gore. All right, you oh. just come out straight and say it. It's Regan. Yeah, what were you? was I supposed to give it a bit of mystery? I thought it was going to be to like... three and then I'd pick one. I thought it was going to be like, oh, well, you know, I love all the boys and they're all great. No, I think you're allowed... Like, that's the crazy thing. You're allowed to have a favourite. You're allowed to have a, a good friend. Who's the biggest prick on the team? <laughs> that I'm not going to say. <laughs> it's probably me. <laughs> I've done that classic thing where you put yourself down. Yeah. I'm glad you laughed. Although that was media good. trained. Was that a media training technique? No, nah, I think that's just a human thing, isn't it? Yeah. Just, like, ripping to yourself, not someone else. Yeah, yeah. Because there's, there's do's and don'ts. Like, I thought this on the vlog. I'm like, I'd love to see... Like I was saying to you guys earlier, like, if I say something and you disagree with it, tell me. And I want to do that with the vlog. I want to be like, oh, we got these new glasses and I don't actually like them. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing worse than when you're like, this person's not being genuine. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, I'm, but, but then it's, it's actually hard to do that because you don't want to put people down or you don't want to put things down. And like, and I'm sure I'll find the balance of it. But yeah, I want to have that honesty. And I'd, and I'd love to say like, bloody hell, this person's pissing me off. Is but it's, it's just if it's necessary. I think it's one of those things as well. You can have honest, 
honesty with positivity, isn't it? Mm. Rather than yeah. honesty and a negative yes. outlook, because honest and negative isn't a great mixture of no. It's draining for the world. Yeah. So yeah. This this guy is a prick, but I'm really hoping that in the future, you know, <laughs> good things happen. And he becomes less of a prick. I was I was wanting to have common threads on the vlog, and one of oh, them yeah. could be the evolution of a, of a prick. Who's <laughs> <laughs> this week's weekly prick? <laughs> the POW prick of the week. Yeah. One of the common threads I wanted to have was I wanted it to be the completely wrong music playing. Thought, like for some reason, I thought that'd be funny because it's that joke that you're in on. People are like that's that's the wrong music, man. It's a really intimate, vulnerable moment. Cha-Cha Slide's not the right song <laughs> to be playing. But that would be funny because obviously I would know that and I'd be on it. Yeah. And I or pitched it to like... Carl and he, I think he was like, not a chance am I having my name to that. Really? Carl, come on. It, but imagine like the, the the backdrop, musical backdrop of you just riding everyone off your wheel on the, the New Zealand Cycling Classic is just like a really romantic overture. Yeah. Well, I was trying yeah. to think what the wrong music would like. That almost sounds like it'd be fitting. Oh, because it would be cinematic, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's or just like... Yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> that sounds like I'm making fun of people that I'm riding off the wheel. Yeah, yeah. Then it's quite He's self, a, it's quite self-indulgent. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, you can't win in this media You can't game, win. You, know, you have to pick it. There's a time anyway. and a place. Um, my, one of my favourite quotes from, the, from episode one was... Uh, actually, probably my favourite character of episode one, aside from you and Emma, was Fouché. He's a good man. And uh, he just looked at the camera and he had, it's almost like he knew in his mind that he was going to win. And he just went, oh, I think it's a chop and drop. <laughs> Sign that guy up immediately. He's <laughs> such a relaxed individual that you, you'd almost think he's not an athlete or, or he, maybe he doesn't even want to train. But the, he's a really motivated individual. And he's a phenomenal athlete, but it's like, it's just a weird mix. It doesn't often happen. Yeah. That he's just very happy, very relaxed. He's like, ah, oh, yeah, chop and drop, see what happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he gets out there and he's an animal. And he's now he's now the champ. He's now the champ. New Zealand champ. Double yeah. double champ. Yeah, he won it 2019, I believe. Won it 2019 and then uh, George Bennett won it 2020. Shane Archibald, then George Bennett, and now Fouché again. 2021. Yeah. Who was second in the 2021? Uh, that was me. Yes, me. Yeah. <laughs> that was, again, a moment of brilliance that kept me hanging on for another year. Like, honestly, if I'd not had that, my road results actually wouldn't be that impressive. So that was one result that I thought, there is something here. Like, if I'd gone to that race in DNF, I would have been like, I'd, I probably would have had an honest conversation with myself and gone, maybe you're barking up the wrong tree. Maybe it's time to settle down in New Zealand and pursue a genuine career path. Yeah. Not the cyclones, not genuine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Get a real job. Get a real job. At some point, you must have thought, I could win this. We don't say Bennett, he's only, he's only over there. Well, it was quite clear that I think five of us made it over the final climb and then George kept attacking for the last 30k and I was the only one that was chasing him down. And then after about, I don't know, I chased him down four or five times. I thought, there's only so many times I can do this. This guy's going to get pretty pissed off at me because they all knew that it was, it was an awkward situation. You're I, not even supposed to be here. <laughs> well, he asked, he came back and asked me that one point. He said, what's like, what's the deal? Can you get on the podium? And I said, I don't actually know. <laughs> So, then, so, like, so we you... were all in a state of kind of not really knowing yeah. what my position in the race was, which is a strange mm -hmm. part to play in a race. And I wouldn't do it again because you almost have an impact on a race that you can't win. Yeah. It's a, it's a straight, it was a strange dynamic. Because equally you could have led people, you could have led the yes. group, the bunch back to him. Yeah. And then even if you'd finished fifth or sixth, you might be putting someone else in contention who Absolutely. wouldn't be in contention. I mean, if it would have been even more awkward if you'd actually won. Yeah, it would have been strange, yeah. The people that let me race probably were like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. They must this have been... is not supposed to happen. We were just trying to be nice. Yeah, like I didn't actually think he was good. 
they'd have been like, oh, he's not, you know, it's fine. It's just nice to, to give the boy a nice day out. Well, it's I mean, yeah, because they sent me an email saying, because Cycling New Zealand, there's so many good people in that organization and they're real good humans and they use a lot of common sense, which is cool because in Britain now, it seems like just politics and bureaucracy gets in the way. Whereas New Zealand's still quite small, a lot of stuff's still quite new that common sense is used quite a lot. So they've seen that I was stuck in New Zealand and they've seen that, oh, this guy's actually quite good. Like, like not in a self-indulgent way. They're like, if he, if we let him do the track championships, he can race with our guys that are going to go to the Olympics. And that's great. It'll, it'll, it's another person to compete against that's going to up the level of the race. So they sent me an email saying, hey, we're going to let you race the track and the road champs for 2021 because of COVID. So special circumstances, which was pretty cool. And I ended up getting five medals. <laughs> I don't think they expected that. <laughs> <laughs> two people lost their jobs because of that decision yeah. work yeah. so then so then this year i'd entered it because i like I, I was never going to do the road race but i entered the madison because i was going to ride with one of the young lads because it was, it was good for his development but they didn't let me race right. which they i already wasn't that knew about. <laughs> they'd been burnt by that decision but there was a lot of internal conflict going on because i think literally they changed their mind like six times right. like i got there the day before and the chief com came up to me and he said listen we're not going to let you race and he gave me x y and z and told me why and I went, all right, sweet, cheers. And then he spent the next five minutes saying, but I want you to race, you know, and you should be racing. And I went, all right, sweet, cheers, just make a call. Like, I'll literally do whatever. Like, like you know, I did this all last year. The novelty's worn off. I'm just here to try and help a younger lad. And throughout the next 24 hours, I was in, I was out, I was in, I was out. Yeah. It was a bit of a shambles. And it's like, for you, it's like, it's in the lap of the gods, isn't it? Because I it's not like, care. you can't suddenly be a Kiwi the next day it's not like yeah. it's anything you can do no. or any p- bit of paper you can provide it's just like yeah I'll, I'll just do it if I can if I can't right, and it's just fun isn't it like I yeah. like I cared so much at British Cycling about race results and how you were perceived and what you did and how people judged that like I was alluding to earlier that I, I almost I've ran out of that like I just don't care now I do it for me I like riding my bike I can't actually control the rest of it. Like, if I'm on a good day, I'll go well. If I'm yeah. not on a bad, if I'm not on a good day, I'll, I won't go well. Like, sweet. Yeah. Like, my girlfriend still loves me, or my fiance, I should say. My parents still love me. Like, I just don't. We care still anymore. love you. Mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I might not get on the podcast anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're this. Is, you're on the. This is a, an amber light. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll review it in three months, and then we'll see where. You're at. Um, but I was going to ask, interestingly, about your good days. So obviously, you've picked a great time to have a few good days in a row mm. uh, winning the New Zealand Cycle Classic and it actually put you as the number one ranked UCI cyclist yeah. for, a, for a, a moment of time got me a fair bit of media attention that didn't it yeah. I was surprised at that and but, I, um, they scooped us because when that happened I was straight on the phone to Nelson I was like look me and Tony are going to reboot the podcast like let's get Mark on he's number one cyclist in the world yeah. and then yeah it was only like maybe a week later or two weeks later, Richard Moore was in there. I was like, the novelty is worn God off. Damn it, I really Richard. want to hear what I've got to say now. <laughs> Two espressos in separate cups. 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 You're still a young boy. Twenty six. Twenty six. Oh, to, to be twenty six and, and uh, 
crushing it. Yeah. <laughs> crushing it in the life of a pro cyclist. Well, we'll find out. Uh, got, to, got to do it in Europe this year. Do you think, how long's your contract with Blackspoke? Uh, a year. So end of the year. It's up. And what, have you had any teams sniffing around? Are you allowed to tell us like... Oh, yeah, I'll be open and honest with that. Movistar. No, no teams yet. <laughs> any, any us? I think teams want to see you in Europe. Corbin Strong signed last year after he won the New Zealand Cycle Classic, but he was 20 years old mm-hmm. and he was young and I think teams wanted him for who he could be, whereas at 26 years old, you potentially already are who you could be. So right, teams, yeah. they need to see, they're not buying me for who I'm going to be at 29. They're buying me for who I am now. So I need to go to Europe and I need to win some races. Would- and I think even at my age... I'm not, you know, there's like, there's 20 year olds, there's 19 year olds that are probably doing what I do. So for me to do it, it's going to have to be someone likes me. So there's a contact in place. Someone's, like I was saying earlier, someone's willing to give me a chance. So Teo, Teo has been really good. Teo Hart, he's, he's helped me out a bit, which is cool. Like I was saying, someone likes you. Someone's willing to kind of put a word in for you. Tony, Tony used to massage Teo. Did you? Yeah, I did him once. <laughs> <laughs> but I was I used to be a Swanee for Team uh, Rally. Yeah, back yeah. In the day. Cool. And I uh, helped out Reese Howells, who used to race yeah, yeah. Richardson's track. Yeah. Um, I used to massage him a bit and he put me in contact with Taylor just for one. But that was before he signed yeah. with anyone, really. He was still... Before still he was around. big. Yeah. Exactly. We're, we're going to do a full two-hour-long episode just about that massage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if we can get Teo on and just yeah, talk we'll get about Teo that massage. Yeah. He's, he's a never good guy, though. It. He's Super a really nice. good guy. Yeah. And refreshing for the Peloton as well, because he's, he's so. one of those guys who's honest. Absolutely. And like, yeah. Well, he come, it's like he hasn't come from no very much either. So, And I think he's one of those people that he's realized like you can be modest and also realize your success and influence at the same time and then you can do good with your influence yeah. it's you don't have to go like you don't have to like poo poo yourself down because you want to race and go oh no it was nothing you can go actually that was quite a big race to win and look yeah. at the success it's brought me and the influence it's brought me and then he's gone a step further and gone like imagine what i could do with that and he's really trying it's really refreshing to yeah, see definitely well it's, it's like Arrogance is just confidence that you can't back up. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, if you can back it up, then yeah. if you've done something good, talk about that thing. It's but like, you almost feel bad putting his name in arrogance in the same sentence because he's, he's far that, from That's what it, I mean. Is he? Is he, he's not arrogant. No. But yeah, he could totally, do... He's not arrogant, mate. I don't know why <laughs> you're pushing this. Right. So I don't know why you're saying that he's arrogant. <laughs> I don't know why you've got this, agi- got this agenda against Teo, mate. Yeah. He's all right. He's a good guy. <laughs> ever, after, uh, since, uh, ever since Tony massaged him, he sort of had this air of arrogance about him. Um, but yeah, in that uh, in that mode of honest cycling, like, have you thought about teams? Do you have a team that you'd think like, oh, if they picked me up, what, who, who would yeah. you want to be? EF? Well, Cofidis. Cofidis. It's similar to um, it's similar to work. I find is it's probably easier to figure out what job you don't want to do than it is yeah. to figure out what job you do want to do. So it's probably easier to figure out what teams you don't want to ride for. And I might contradict myself here if I do sign for a team at the end of the year. But you've got to you've got to have your values and you've got to have what you stand up for. So like it's a really hard question to ask yourself: Would you ride for Bahrain or UAE? You know, like with some of the rules in their country, do you stand with that or do you stand against that? And it's the same for: Would you ride for Israel? Like you you've got to make your own mind up, and it's not for anyone else to say. It's it's for you to make your mind up. So yeah, so it's actually I think now that I'm a bit older now, it's. Yeah, what team would you ride for? And yeah. if your only contract was for a team that maybe was a bit of a, you know, some of what 
they represented was a bit of a contradiction to you as a human. Would you sign for them if it was your only contract? I couldn't say. But I know that some of the other guys have struggled with that as well. Yeah. yeah. And I guess like there also must be some people who don't believe it's their concern. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, like I wonder if I really love Sonny Colbrelli. I wonder if he thinks, mm. Mm, should I really be doing this? Or if he's just like, well, yeah, look, that's my job. They're going to pay me to, to ride bikes. And if they weren't going to pay you, they'd just pay someone else. Yeah. Yeah. So is it, do you take that couple hundred thousand euro, maybe that million euro off them? And you go, okay, well, now I've got a million euro. Imagine what good I could do with that in my own community. Yeah. Is it something like that? Is that how you justify it? I honestly yeah. don't know. Well, I wish I was in that position. Yeah, yeah. If you're ever in that position, Mark, we're here for you to chat it out live. <laughs> <laughs> it would be interesting though, wouldn't it? It'd be interesting to follow that as a fly on the wall. Yeah. And that's something I've thought about with the vlogs. If I did, if I were to gather some success this year and I was lucky enough to go through that process and to make those decisions, how cool would it be to vlog them? This is the last question. If you could build your dream team of individual mm. cyclists who are in the pro peloton right now who yeah. what would you build so you've got a gc guy sprinter yeah. lead out man uh, and two super domestiques so yeah. five see this stuff annoys me because because <laughs> 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 it just doesn't do it for me people's physical capabilities like i've, I've kind of been um I don't well, know. That's, that's what I mean. Like, you could yeah. pick Gino Mader because he gives. Yeah, uh, that's what I mean. Yeah. And that's, that's probably what I would pick people from. Because pick I, Florian like, Seneschal because he's, uh, he's got a lot of empathy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'd pick. Yeah, yeah, I'd definitely pick people on who they were to be around and what they could bring to the team, what they can add. Would Regan, so, would Regan Goff make the team? Regan Goff would be in there. He'd be your number one lead out man. Fouché? He's Mr. Reliable. <laughs> It'd almost be my Black Spoke team. But I, I've got a few friends in, in the world tour, Fred Wright. He's a really good guy. Again, just super strong and like almost like untapped potential. Like how good he'll be, will be, you know, yeah. we're yet to see. In a book I'm reading at the moment, it was talking about how Navy SEALs, how they'll choose people based mm. upon trust over performance. So how trust is way, a way more deciding factor on selecting a team than yes. performances necessarily. And I guess it may well be that you take, take along your group ride that you're going out with yeah. bring them into the pro tour rather than selecting people out of the pro tour to, yeah, that, to that's bring into the thing. team actually what just, I was getting at was with me and Tony <laughs> <make> <laughs> you to see, I need to get on a ride with you and see how well you sprint for the time <laughs> next time so you're away to Girona for three weeks three weeks and then you're back to race in Glasgow it's in Derby the British Omni and Madison okay. champs but I'll fly into Glasgow spend a few days here link up with the Scottish team because I think that's important I've not been at the velodrome in Glasgow for two years so I'd yeah. like to reconnect with those guys yeah. nice and so then, yeah, hopefully we can get out for a ride when you come back. That'd be lovely. You yeah. better not ruin my bike. I'm leaving my bike, for those who don't know, with Todd for the three weeks. Because there's no point flying it. to Girona to fly back with it. Wait till you see my Strava times. And I said he could take it for a spin, but uh, yeah, I'm now a bit anxious. No, no, you'll be fine. <laughs> Looks absolutely stunning. I'm due a crash. I haven't crashed in about three years. <laughs> and they come in three, so that's handy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How do you think you're joining, huh? have got a cycling podcast. We've got a cycling podcast. Would you like to be a guest on our cycling podcast? No. Go on then, I'll let you go. <laughs> let's let's no, catch him up and absolutely rinse him on this next lap. What a guest. <laughs> Loved him. Do you know what? Absolute grafter. Yeah. Didn't really know that too much about Mark. But what a grafter. Someone who's dedicated to the cause of cycling. Absolutely, like, purely out of love for the sport. 
Guy loves riding his bike. Yeah, totally. And like, not afraid to break the mold slightly in terms of getting to where he's going. Which obviously we're gonna need to break the mold. Simply because where we're trying to go is somewhere that only real peak athletes should be going. But we're doing it. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, I absolutely love Mark. Big things in his future, no doubt. He's still young. You heard it here first, guys. Mark Stewart, great cyclist. A rumour that I heard, Todd, is that you served him his first coffee. <laughs> and uh, that, that was his first safe, and he was like, this is coffee. Um, no. So that must have been well, a well-extracted shot. You're sort of, you're, you're kind of right. Because <laughs> after he tasted one coffee that I made him, he was like, coffee, completed it. <laughs> you know, once you've been to the top of Everest, why would you go up and climb Ben Lomond, you know? <laughs> so I can completely understand why, you know, you've had the best. You've won the gold medal. Yeah. Don't worry about anything else. Toilets from now yeah. <laughs> but yeah, oh, loved having Mark on. Great guest, great guy. Stay tuned for his vlogs. So, yeah, absolutely loved having Mark on. A lot like our other guests. Not afraid to crack a smile. Not afraid to have a wee laugh at himself. For me, think about legacy, think about Palmares of a cyclist. I would add that to it. The ability to have fun, be light, enjoy yourself. A little spoonful of empathy. Yeah. Always goes down a treat, so. Yeah, thanks very much to Mark. And be sure to check out Mark's new vlog series, Mark Stewart Vlogs. It's on YouTube, just go on YouTube and have a search for that. He's gonna do some big things this year. And it was really interesting talking to him about his, his goals. Yeah, that was my favorite thing about his last vlog, or his first vlog was uh, we took the wee boy out. You tell us he's just a guy who loves cycling, loves to encourage other people to ride. They were going up, it, was, it must've been the final climb. And the wee boy was out of the saddle and Mark just alongside him going, you're dancing. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Uh, but yeah, you can get him followed on Instagram at markstew95, that's the numbers nine and five. He is gonna be the content king of 2022. So hopefully we'll get him back on. Maybe he can get out with a, for a ride with him at some point. Yeah, that'd be lovely. Um, but yeah, best of luck to Mark and Emma as well. Wishing you both the very best. To round off this week's episode, we're gonna give the guests a little bonus. Okay. One lap of the velodrome. Mic's up. up. Eyeballs out. Eyeballs out. And uh, commentary as well. With commentary, you've got okay. to talk all the way around. Right, we're 100 meters out from the line, so we're gonna start okay. now. Here we go. What I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna ramp up a wee bit, wee yeah, bit I'm earlier. Dropping, I'm dropping down I'm the gears. Wide. I'm going wide on the corners. I'm gonna keep go. the inside line here. Keep an eye on Todd. Tony on the inside line. Keep an eye on Todd on the outside. Me on the outside line. I'm just gonna build the pressure. Try to get all the gains. Get a little bit more aero. A little bit slippery. I've got a good. Now I'm coming down. Got a good 20 meters on him. Tony's got about 10 meters ahead of me. Coming around the final. I'm already fucked. The final bank. Here we go. Bit of a slippy one there. I've got to gain it back now. Here we go. Oh. Into the last straight. Come on, Wayford. And we're going. Sprint for the line. Get your legs. You idiot. Come on. Uh, Tony's got me by oh. seven seconds at this point, and the head's gone. I give up. He's in. He's in there. Oh, well. Just gonna slow it up now and wait for Todd. He's a little bit far back. I wish I could say I had something better for you there, but second place. 
See you next week, dreamers. I'm sorry. Was that your auntie? Was that your auntie? Was that your auntie? If anybody want coffee, I'll make you coffee. I'm a frequent coffee drinker. I'm part of the club. I have a card.